Well, good morning, church. My name is Stephen, and I'm the, I have the honor and privilege of being the young adult pastor here. And I just want to say good morning to those of you watching online, those of you in the building, those of you on the patio, man. It's an honor to be here with you guys today. And I'm really excited as we dive into week three of our series, Be Rich. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking out of this series, and Pastor Chuck kicked it off, and then last week, Pastor Lauren shared, and today, I get to share with you guys. And throughout this series, we've been hitting on a key verse that I want to hit on again today out of John 10.10. In John 10.10, Jesus says these words. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And as we're in this series talking about how to steward the resources that God has entrusted us with, I really want to spend today talking about how we can live this rich and satisfying life that Jesus has for you and I. What does it look like for us to live this rich and satisfying life? And so that is really the goal for today. A few months ago, my wife Jessica and I, we were traveling to Colorado to visit some of our family. And if I'm honest with you guys, I am not a fan of flying. Okay, and I'm going to be honest with you because you guys are family. Uh, It's not that I'm afraid of flying. I just hate the germs that are on planes. Some of you guys know that I'm a germaphobe. I hate the germs that are on planes. And then I hate just being stuck in a seat for however many hours the flight is. I can't do anything. Like I constantly need to move on an airplane. I can't do that. And so what makes it bearable for me is that I get to do one of my favorite things in the world. I get to people watch. Do we have any people watchers in the house? Yes, I'm not the only one, okay. People watching is honestly one of my favorite things in the world just because it's so interesting. You see so many fascinating things. Like I think about the elderly couple that's probably been married for like 60 years or so and they're like holding hands, walking to their gate and you're like, oh my gosh, that is the sweetest thing ever. Yes, real love does exist. Others of us, uh, maybe we have seen uh, people wearing some outfits and you're like, wow, I wish I kind of had that confidence like you do. Or like just the outfits that people put together and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. I love people watching. And so that's what makes it bearable for me to get through these flights. And so I'll never forget we're on this flight going to Colorado. It's about a two hour flight from here to there. And I promise you I wasn't creeping at all, okay? I get seated and to the left of me, there's this guy that's seated there. We haven't even taken off yet. And he is going through movies like it's his job. And I'm not creeping. I just, I just noticed, like, why is this guy going through so many different movies? I have no idea. Is he getting paid for this? Like, what is going on? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see how many movies this guy can go through in, a, in the two-hour flight that we have. And today, you guys are the first audience that I get to share this with. This man in the two-hour duration of our flight he watched seven seven different movies on a two-hour flight and that does not include the hour or so that I spent sleeping so realistically he probably watched seven movies in one hour and I mean guys this guy literally would put on a movie it was like clockwork he would put on a movie he would watch it for three minutes and he'd move on to the next one put on a movie, watch it for three minutes, and get on to the next one. I'm like, oh my gosh, but nothing seemed to satisfy this man whatsoever. He had all of these options, yet nothing truly satisfied him. And the truth is, as I was thinking about that experience, I think oftentimes we as a people want the quick and satisfying life instead of the rich and satisfying life that Jesus offers. Like, think about it. 
How many of us want things to be quick and easy? I know for a fact I do. Uh, maybe for you, you want to be entertained right away. And if the first three minutes of the movie isn't cutting it, it's not the most uh, entertaining in the beginning, you're like, all right, dude, I'm just moving on to the next one like that guy did. Or how about this one? We want to lose weight. And so we set out for this diet and we're like, okay, I'm going to diet. And then once we don't see many results in the duration of the time that we want it to happen in, we're like, all right, I'm going to move on to the next diet or I'm not, I'm just going to quit dieting altogether because we're not seeing the results that we want. Or how about this one? I know you guys are going to agree with me on this. Amazon. My wife and I, we want things delivered to us right away, okay? I'm not waiting a week or two to get my package. That is not cutting it. And I know a lot of you guys are on the same wavelength as us. You want your packages delivered to you in two to three days, and if not, you're unhappy. But that is why we pay for Amazon, because we want things right away. And we as a people, when we don't get results right away, when we don't see immediate results, we want to quit on things. We lose hope. We get frustrated. But here's what I know, and here's what I don't want us to miss today. This rich and satisfying life that Jesus has for us, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. But it is so possible for us to have. And here's what I mean. 128 years ago, there were nine people that decided that they wanted to make an impact in their local community. And so they were like, man, I really want to make an impact that's bigger than myself, and my community needs Jesus. And so these nine people set out, and they said, we're going to go, and we're going to build a church to tell our community that we're there for them, and that Jesus loves them. And so that's what they did. And it started with nine people giving their time, giving their resources, giving their money to building this church because they love their community so much. Well, that nine grew to about 100 in about a year. And then from there it grew to 100 more and then 100 more. And that church that those people started 128 years ago is Crossroads Christian Church. How amazing is that? And the crazy thing is we, we don't know these nine people personally. We don't know the sacrifices that they made financially, spiritually, physically. But we get to come here today as a result of their labor. We get to stand here and understand, man, I get to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. And it all started with nine people that said, I want to make an impact. I have a dream that God has given me, and I'm going to go with that dream. And a hundred years later, these people are no longer with us. They probably had no idea the impact that they were going to have in that a hundred years later, thousands and thousands of lives would be impacted. But now you and I get to come here and we get to experience Jesus because of them. We get to meet some of our dearest friends. I personally got to meet my wife Jessica right here at Crossroads because of those nine people and the sacrifice that they made such a long time ago. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about living a rich and satisfying life. And although they're no longer here with us, I believe their fingerprint is. And so right now, if you know me, you know I like to have fun. And so we're going to have a little bit of a, uh, an interaction where I need your help. And online, you could do this as well by putting in the chat. But I'm going to say some things. I'm going to mention two things. And if these two things are true of you, or if one of them is true of you, I want you to stand up. 
Okay, that, that's all it's gonna require for you is when I say this, if it is true of your life, I want you to stand up. Sounds good? All right, so I want you to stand up if you've given your life to Jesus here at Crossroads. If you've ever given your life to Jesus here at Crossroads, I want you to stand up. Man, look at all of these lives that were changed. It's amazing. Stay, stay standing. I know some of you guys are like, I, I don't want to stay standing. Stay standing if you can. Now I want you to stand up or stay standing if you've been baptized here at Crossroads. At any service, it doesn't matter. Amazing. You can stand up if you've been baptized. Online, put it in the chat. I've been baptized online. I've given my life to Jesus here. But can we just look around and see what God did? And it started with nine people being faithful to what God called them to be. And let me say this before you get seated. Oh, you guys get seated. That's, yeah, just get seated. Because I'm preaching right now. Let me just say this. If you've ever given here financially at Crossroads, at any of our services, any amount of money, you played a role in that life change that you got to experience. And so thank you. If you've ever given up your time to serve in any capacity here, thank you because you're a part of that life change. I mean, think about it. Yeah. I think about people on our greeting team. They're out there, they're saying hi to us and what they're doing is they're creating this warm and welcoming environment so that people could come into this place with their hearts softened, ready to hear the gospel and give their lives to Jesus. I think of people that are serving in our kids' ministry right now. They're holding two-year-olds and they're holding little ones wise so their parents could hear a message about hope, a message about Jesus and give their lives to him. And how good does it feel knowing that in some capacity you played a role in all of that life change? And what's crazy is those nine people back then, they have no idea the fruit of their labor, but all we can do is thank them for how God used them and how faithful they were. And the truth is this, when you and I invest in the kingdom of God, the investment is everlasting, meaning it doesn't end when we end. When our lives come to an end and we're giving our time and resource to the church, it keeps going because we're a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And I believe Paul does a really good job at, at talking about how you and I can live this rich and satisfying life. And today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You can open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 or it'll come up on the screen. But before we get any further, I want us to pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the impact that it's had on so many people's lives, and we are grateful for it. And God, I pray right now as we talk about what it means to live this rich and satisfying life, God, I pray that you would have your way in this place. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would be so evident, and I pray that we would walk out of here with a different perspective, perhaps. We would walk out of here knowing more about you and how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. First Corinthians chapter three, we're gonna be uh, in verses 10 through 17. We're gonna be looking at seven verses. And Paul 
the apostle, he says these words. He says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Come on, Paul, um, humility a little bit, man. You're saying you're an expert builder? He says, now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Verse 16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? And God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. I read this passage and it kind of makes me think of, uh, maybe this has happened to you, but, but you see two people having a conversation with each other. You know what I'm talking about, after service or outside and you walk over to them and you're like, they're already in the conversation, it's already taking place and you're standing there like, what are these people talking about? You're, you're trying to make your way into the conversation, you're trying to use context clues because you're like, I don't really know, I came into this conversation super late, has that ever, have, has that ever happened to anybody? And when I read this passage, I think just that because Paul is already midway into this thought and then we just jumped into this passage like, okay, Paul, you're an expert builder. You're talking about what it means to build our lives and I don't want us to feel that way that I felt plenty of times where we're trying to figure out what's going on in our passage. And so I really wanna give us some context today and paint a picture of what's happening here. So to paint the picture, Paul, he's writing to a group of Christians in the city of Corinth. Corinth was this city, if you will, it was a mess. I mean, there was prostitution all over the place. People, they're worshiping idols. It was essentially this city that catered to sin. It was also known for its trade. It was a really wealthy city. And so there are people coming into Corinth with all sorts of views, all sorts of different beliefs, all sorts of ideas. And it kind of came into this central hub. And it was this city that catered to sin. Essentially, the motto would have been, whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. And Paul, he is, is writing to Christians in this city that is a mess like I just described. But he's writing to Christians. And the church that he's writing to in this passage is a mess as well. There are people who are selfish that only care about themselves. Sexual sin that's in culture has now made its way into the church. There's division that's running rampant and it seems like nobody's getting along. Some people like Paul's preaching, other people like this guy Apollo's preaching and they're forming teams as to I'm on Paul's team, I'm on Apollo's team. In fact, I heard it said like this, Nathan Finocchio, who's a pastor, he said that the city of Corinth, or this church in Corinth, if you will, was, was like a dad who went away to work for a week. He, he does his traveling, he comes home, and he walks inside the house, and his kids are hanging from the chandeliers, they're going absolutely wild, and this is kind of what Paul is talking about. He's trying to corral the church. It reminds me of uh, when... Years ago, I was a little kid, my, my dad went fishing with some of his friends. 
and uh, he, he went out with fishing, it was, it was night fishing, so he had no phone, he had no reception, and my mom is at home with us kids, I have two sisters and a brother, and that same night, it just so happened to be my sister's birthday. And so my mom not only has us kids that she's gotta take care of, but she's taking care of all my sister's friends. And so this birthday party is happening. It is so much fun. We're in the backyard. We're probably an hour or two into this party when we see a hand come over the fence in our backyard. We live in New York and uh, our back, we lived in New York and our backyard had like trees and it was foresty and we're like, why is there a hand coming over the fence? It was the weirdest thing ever. And so my mom is inside, all of us kids, we book it inside because we're petrified, we're scared, we're like, what is this hand doing over this fence? Side note, we accidentally uh, locked a girl outside during this whole interaction. We locked the door, she was on crutches, she was too slow to make it inside the house, and now she's out there with this hand that's over the fence, someone clearly trying to get over, and now we eventually let her in, let me preface that. And I'll never forget, we were going absolutely nuts. We're trying to figure out what to do, we're scared. We're like, mom, what should we do? My mom is trying to corral all of us kids And she has no idea. We eventually call the cops. They figured it all out and and we're good. My dad comes home that night from fishing and he is stoked, okay? He doesn't doesn't fish very often. And so he got to hang out with some of his guy friends and he's like talking about how his trip was amazing, the fish that him and his friends caught. And And my mom's like, do you have any clue what just happened here? He has no idea, obviously, because he didn't have a cell phone, and she starts to fill him in on what was happening, and this right here is how I imagine Paul feels and what he's dealing with. He's talking to a church. He's trying to corral them and tell them, guys, I know you're divided, but it can't be in the church. I know there's sexual sin in culture, but it can't make its way into the church, and he's telling them, guys, you need to build your lives on Jesus. You can't build your lives focusing on yourself. I know some of you, you like Paul's preaching, some of you like Apollo's preaching, but you cannot build your life on a preacher. And the first thing you and I need to do in order to live this rich and satisfying life is we need to build your foundation on Jesus alone. Build your foundation on Jesus alone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, Paul says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on that foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Now it might be shocking to you, to others it might not be so shocking, but I've never built a house in my life. Uh, if, If my life depended on it, I probably would never be able to build a house. But what I do know, when it comes to building any sort of construction, even though I'm not a construction worker, What I do know is the foundation is the most important part to a house or a building. Because the foundation determines the size, it determines the shape, how strong the building is gonna be. And Paul right here is speaking to this divided church and he's like, hey, it's not about Paul, it's not about Apollos, it's not about Peter, because there was some people that like Peter's preaching, it's not about personalities or gifted communicators. Our foundation needs to be built on Jesus. Not our leaders, not our mentors. And I've seen so many young people, so many young people, they leave the church because a leader hurt them. They leave the church because their favorite pastor or leader left. And that's why we cannot build our foundation on a leader or a certain pastor. It only can be built on Jesus. 
We need to follow Jesus. And here's the thing. If we try and build our lives on anything else, it's always going to fail. And so church, let me ask you this. What are you building your life on? If you want a clue as to what you're building your life on, how are you spending your time? Because I believe our priorities are going to reveal our foundation. And maybe some of you in here, you're living for approval, for the opinions of others. Where you want people to look at you a certain way. You want people to think you're more influential than you really are maybe. And you're going around life and you're making certain decisions based off of this. And at the core of who you are, your foundation is, I really just want to be liked. I really want people to think differently of me. Maybe others of you, you're building your life on money. And your goal in life is just to make as much money as possible. And maybe it's so your family is well off. Maybe you just want to make money so you can have all the things in life. And if you're not careful, maybe today you're realizing, man, I'm building my foundation on money because that's the end all be all for me. I'm finding my identity and how much I make. There's others of us, we're, we're just so busy. I mean, we have to take the kids to sports and then we got to go home and cook and then we worked all day and then we got to take care of our husbands and, and you and I, we're just so busy going, 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 going that maybe if you're honest, you're not really building your foundation on much of anything or maybe you're building your foundation on your family. And the only solid foundation is Jesus, which means we need to be spending time with Jesus. We need to make time for him in our lives. So therefore, we can't always be go, go, go because we need to spend time with Jesus. Otherwise, he's not a priority in our life. And a good foundation is making Jesus the top priority, where we're looking at him for guidance instead of a spouse or a loved one. Meaning what that looks like is when I have any problems that come my way, before I bring it to my people, I need to bring it to Jesus. We make our foundation Jesus when we're learning the words that he spoke and every single day we're trying to live them out. When we're serving his people and actually being his hands and feet and digging into the trenches and loving on people that he created. When we're making sure that the first thing we do whenever we get that paycheck is give 10% back to God and change our perspective and say, man, God literally lets me keep 90%. All I have to do is give him 10% back. It's only when we make our foundation Jesus are we going to live rich and satisfying lives because here's what I know and here's what I've learned. If we build our lives on anything else, if we build it on money, approval, our kids, our marriages, our hobbies, our families, the next recession is going to come. The loss of a loved one is going to happen. Your kids are going to move out one day. A leader is going to leave the church. And when those things happen, our world is going to fall apart. We're going to lose ourselves. Why? Because our identity was found in those things. That was the foundation we build our lives on. But here's the thing. When you and I build our lives on Jesus, those things are still going to happen in life. But our lives aren't going to be as chaotic, and we could still have this rich and satisfying life in the midst of chaos because our foundation is only on Jesus. And that's why today, church, my hope and my prayer is that you would really assess where you're at. 
Because our lives can't be built on anything other than him. And we live in a culture that's building lives on so many other things, yet not on Jesus. And they're looking for answers. And the answer we have today is Jesus. And Paul goes on in verse 12, and he says these words. He says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, I want you to notice this, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. And I don't want that to be our lives, church. And Paul right here, he shows us the next step to living this rich and satisfying life. And it's this, what we invest will be put to the test. What we invest will be put to the test. I like things that rhyme, and so you could thank me later for that. Okay. When I was a senior in high school, we got hit with Hurricane Sandy. I was living in New York, and uh, Hurricane Sandy was this Category 3 hurricane that came in and devastated us. I mean, it caused millions and millions of dollars in damages. I remember being a kid or a senior driving around, seeing the damage that it caused, trees completely knocked down, telephone, pot, telephone wires completely on the floor. People lost everything. Houses were completely destroyed. Cars destroyed. People lost their livelihood. I remember at that time, my church, we partnered with this organization where we would go into uh, these communities that got, really, that got hit really hard, and we would try to help these people. And we, there was this one house that I entered, I'll never forget, and my job for the day was to cut down half of the wall because there was water so high that it was the next time the person were to go into their house, there would be mold that's growing. There would be mildew that's happening. And so our goal was to cut the walls so that people might not have to destroy their entire house. So we could try to save this house. I mean, we're helping people in water trying to grab certain things, the, the rest of their belongings. And it was crazy to me to see how some houses were completely destroyed while other houses were completely fine. Like here I am at this person's house helping them, yet I go back to my house and my house is fine. The only thing that affected us is we didn't have power. And Paul right here is saying this, that every foundation is gonna be tested by fire. And what he means by that is we're gonna be judged for how you and I live our lives while we were here on earth. And just like how Hurricane Sandy tested houses, some made it and others didn't, when fire tests our foundation, the things we built our lives on, the top priorities we have, will the materials we've built our lives on, will they burn or will they make it through the fire? And I believe time and pressure are gonna test the things we're investing in. And some of us, if, if we're honest, we're building our foundation on relationships. If only... I get that girl, if only I get that guy, then my life is going to be complete. Others of us, we're building our lives on that promotion. Man, once I get that promotion, once my boss finally sees how hard I've been working, then I'll start to give to the church, then I'll start to bless people. Others of us are like, man, once I get that beautiful home, then my family is gonna be complete. 
All the problems we have, they're gonna cease once I get that beautiful home. Others of us are like, man, once that person approves of me, life's gonna be good. And what happens is when you and I, when we build our lives on these kinds of materials, they're gonna be tested like Paul says. And it's gonna go to fire. And Paul says, when it gets tested by fire, is it gonna make it through the fire? And I'm here to tell you that those things, they're not necessarily bad. Those things are important. We need, we need money to survive. We need relationships, but we cannot make it the end all be all. They cannot be the things that we're building our lives on. Jesus needs to be the only thing. And so instead of building our lives on those things, what if we said, you know what, I'm gonna serve and lead junior high boys in a life group time because I wanna be a part of something that's gonna last longer when I'm gone because they might be the next president, they might be the next CEO and I wanna invest in something that's bigger than myself. What would it look like if you're like, man, I don't wanna build my life only on that. I wanna serve and hold two-year-olds so a parent could hear the gospel and forever have their lives change and their entire family could be changed as a result of you saying, I'm gonna give up an hour of my time to serve this family. What about giving a tithe and sowing seed into the church financially like those nine people did and now we get to see the result of it? You see, it's when fire comes, and Paul says it's coming when we're judged, it's when fire comes that those things don't burn. Why? Because they're eternal. They're making an impact that's gonna outlive each and every single one of us. And when you and I are living this rich and satisfying life that I keep talking about, we're investing in things that are bigger than ourselves. The other day, uh, we were at, a few weeks ago now, we were at Pastor Doug's house, and uh, Jessica and I were having this conversation with him, and I'm not gonna lie, halfway through the conversation, they started using these big terms because they're talking about the economy, and uh, Jess is really smart, and I'm smart, but with those big topics, I was like, I, I don't really know what they're talking about. So I kind of like tuned out a little bit halfway through this conversation. And then I heard the word inflation, and that caught my attention. And I'm like, oh, guys, what are you talking about here? What's going on? And so we started talking about inflation and how Jess and I were saving up for a house right now. And the money that we have today is probably not gonna be what it's worth a year from now, two years from now, as opposed to what it is today. And I'm not gonna lie, we, we left that conversation, we got home and we were completely like, is there even a point to buying a house? We, we were just so like on edge, we're like nothing is really satisfying us. We were just super discouraged, that's pretty much the best way to describe it. And so the next day we go back to Pastor Doug's house, we were invited, okay, we didn't just sneak back to have this conversation. We go back to his house for a party and we're sitting at the table and he said these words. He said, hey, let's get back to our conversation that we had the other day. He's like, I had this realization and I wanna encourage you. And here's what Pastor Doug said. I don't wanna butcher it, so I'm gonna read it. He said, Christianity has existed for the last 2,000 years. And over those years, there have been governments, nations that have risen and fallen, but the kingdom of God has outlasted them all. And living a rich and satisfying life is something that Pastor Doug lives out but it requires you and I to change our perspective because there is more to life than just here and now. And it's easy to get caught up on that. 
And October 24th, you and I, we have an opportunity to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We get to sow seeds into the kingdom of God that's going to outlast and outlive us. And so October 24th, we're giving away 50% of whatever tithes and offerings come in that weekend. And we're going to be giving it away to our community and a bunch of nonprofits. And my hope is that you would be prayerful. You would ask your wives, ask your families, ask God what you should be giving during this time so you could be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And my hope is that you would partner with us and you would build your foundation on Jesus and he is gonna lead us in that. And today I wanna end what Jesus has to say about this whole topic. In Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says these words. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And the final thing we learn in order to live this rich and satisfying life is you need to store your treasures in heaven. Jesus right here is saying in this passage, hey, whatever we accumulate on earth, none of it's gonna be able to come with us. When we die, we can't take that money with us. The status we've worked so hard to build up, it means nothing. So we can't go our entire lives only focusing on those things. Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr., he said these words. He says, I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. And it's funny hearing that. I'm like, that is so true. That's why we need to invest in things that are gonna keep, continue going after we die, like giving and serving to the church, being a life group leader. And I wanna end with this. A few weeks ago, my wife Jessica and I, we got to celebrate our uh, first year of marriage. And we went to Charlotte, North Carolina, and we've been on this really big Billy Graham kick. We love Billy Graham. And so we decided to check out the library that's in Charlotte, North Carolina. And if you don't know who Billy Graham is, he was this evangelist that as of 2008, 2.2 billion people have heard the gospel because of that man's life, because of the conviction that he had when it came to scripture. And I'll never forget we're walking around this library and it was just super powerful. If you're ever in Charlotte, you need to go there. And I'm just thinking about his life and a lot of us, we know the impact that he made in the community, in, in the world. We, we know his name, but not a lot of people know how he came to know Jesus. And today I really just briefly wanna take us through how Billy Graham came to know Jesus. There was this guy named Edward Kimball Edward Kimball was this Sunday school teacher that led a small group of boys every single Sunday. He felt that's where God was calling him to serve. And so Edward Kimball would give time and energy into serving these kids every single Sunday. There was one boy in particular who was having a hard time understanding who Jesus was, understanding what Jesus did for him. And so Edward Kimball was super, would go out of his way to be super intentional with this boy. And one day he meets this guy where he's working years later after he would leave and graduate from Sunday school. And he's like, I gotta tell you about Jesus. And in that guy's workplace, he said yes to Jesus. And we know that guy today as D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody would become this evangelist. He would host revivals. And uh, one night at this revival, there was this guy by the name of Billy Sunday, who was a professional athlete at the time who heard the gospel of Jesus and said yes to him. Billy Sunday, his life was forever changed and he left sports and said, I wanna make an impact that's bigger than myself. 
And so I wanna start telling people about Jesus. He started hosting these revivals. And there was a guy in the audience that night when he gave an invitation time and said, who needs to say yes to Jesus? And in that time was this guy named Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham was an evangelist. He, he would say yes to Jesus, would become this evangelist, would wanna do the work that God called him to. And Mordecai Ham was preaching a sermon one night in a revival like all the rest of the other guys. He's preaching about Jesus, the power and the love that Jesus has for each and every single one of us. And there's a guy that comes forward, a young boy by the name of Billy Frank. Billy Frank comes up, gives his life to Jesus. And we know that guy today is Billy Graham. And the reason that story is so powerful is because it was this domino effect. It was the string of events that led to Billy Graham saying yes to Jesus and the impact that he had on our world. And it all started with Edward Kimball who said yes to serving kids. And now all of a sudden, billions and billions of lives are changed as a result of him saying yes and being faithful to what God called him to be. And no one knows his name, but we see the impact that he had. No one knows those nine people that said yes to being faithful, but today we see the impact that they have here at Crossroads Christian Church. And October 24th, you and I get to have that impact where we could give and we don't know the impact it's gonna have, but it's gonna outlive us, I could promise you that. But today, I know that there's so many people in here, so many people watching online, so many people on our patio, that if you're here today and you're really hearing my words and you're assessing your life, maybe you're here and you're not building your foundation on Jesus. At the end of the day, Jesus wants our heart, but what, he noticed, what you notice in that text earlier is he says, wherever your heart is, there your treasure is also. He knows that our treasure and our hearts go hand in hand. And so right now, I wanna give us an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I don't want us to leave this place the same way we came in today. And I believe there's some of you, you're realizing, man, I've been building my life not on Jesus. And maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you don't even know that Jesus loves you and that he died for you so that we could have this rich and satisfying life. And in order for you to have that, you need to say yes to him. And so church, would you do me a favor? I just want us to pray. If you're a follower of Jesus in this place, please, 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 don't let this moment pass us by. Would you be praying and believing that people need to say yes to him, that nothing will stop them from meeting him right now in this very moment so we could have those encounters like Mordecai Ham, like Billy Graham. We could have that moment right here. So if you're a follower of Jesus, would you be praying? And let's pray all together as a church. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that we get to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And God, right now, at the end of the day, you want our lives to be built on you. And in order for us to do that, we need to know you. We need to have relationship with you. And so right now, I pray for people that don't know you. God, I pray that they would say yes to you in this very moment. They wouldn't let it pass them by. I pray for people that are hearing this message 
and they've been building their lives, finding their identity in things that are other than you. And like Paul says, it's all gonna be tested at the end of the day and they're realizing whatever they're building their lives on, those material things, it's not gonna make it through the fire. And I pray that those people would come back to you today. I pray for the person in here that is having a hard time hearing this message. Because they don't want to give up the things that they've built for so long. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them right now. Would you soften hearts in this moment? I pray for the people online on our patio in this room that need to say yes to you. So right now, I want to give us all an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. God loves you and I so much that because of Jesus, we get to have a relationship with him. And Jesus would go to the cross to die for each and every single one of us so we could have this rich and satisfying life. And so if that's you and you wanna say yes to Jesus, we're gonna pray a prayer as a family all together. Would you repeat these words after me, just inviting Jesus into your heart? As a family, would you do this out loud? Would you say, dear God, I know that you love me and I believe that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for me to forgive me of my sin to heal me of hurt and so I say yes to you yes to the life you have for me I want you there's no turning back I want you to be my foundation I build my life on it's in Jesus name we pray amen Amen. And if that's you, yeah, praise God. And thank you guys so much for joining us today. Don't forget, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, you go ahead and text the word amen to 77247. And we would love to uh, partner with you to give you the resources that you might need so we can help you along this journey. Yeah, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button and turn those post notifications on. That way you'll never miss one of our messages here. Yep, and we are live every Wednesday night right now at 7 p.m. But once we start first Wednesdays in November, we'll be here at 6.30 p.m. But you yep. can tune in then and anytime after. And then also we're live Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand anytime after that. Yeah, well, you guys have such an amazing week and we'll see you guys next time.